Welcome to the GovComs podcast, bringing you the latest insights and innovations from experts and thought leaders around the globe in government communication. Now, here is your host, David Pembroke. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome once again to GovComs, the podcast that examines the practice of content communication in government and the public sector. My name's David Pembroke. Today, we look at the do's and don'ts of marketing in the public sector through the lens of tourism. And we'll be having that conversation today with Brent Hill, who's the Executive Director of Marketing at the South Australian Tourism Commission. Brent joined the commission in November 2015 as a marketing communication specialist, bringing some experience in advertising, branding, digital PR and sponsorship from a career in banking, retail and telecommunications. Brent's been responsible for overseeing a $1.6 billion growth in the tourism visitor economy. He played a key role in launching the new global brand for tourism in South Australia and coordinated two global television campaigns and a digital program that now sees SouthAustralia.com attracting over 6 million visitors annually. Brent's also overseen the successful marketing partnerships slash integrations with The Project, MasterChef Australia and Sports Illustrated. In 2018, Brent was recognised as number 21 on the CMO Top 50 list in Australia. And he joins me now. Brent, thanks very much for joining us on GovComs. Thanks, David. Really um, excited to to, uh, be with you. Those other 20 people on the list must be pretty good if you're 21. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, it's it, it's always nice, I think, from, uh, you know, we, we work out of Adelaide and, um, you know, we, we definitely want people to take notice of what we do. So it's it's nice to get a bit of that external recognition. But I've got to say, to be honest, it's um, it's nice to have that individual recognition, but it is it is very much a, a, a team effort here. So we're, we're, uh, we're pleased with the results that we've had and um, we look forward to doing some more. So when you think about that team, and, and of course there's, you know, you need the team to, to be doing the work, but the, the team needs direction and guidance and you need a whole lot of things to go well for you to be able to get this recognition. What, what was it that led to this recognition? What are you doing so well that you have been recognised in such a, you know, esteemed uh, list as the, the top yep. 50 CMOs? Yeah, well, I think that the, Critical thing that the, the judges sort of really singled out um, because we were one of the few, um, I guess, government entities. You know, even though we're a statutory authority, we are we are still a government entity. And the judges were really impressed, I think, with what we've done from a really commercial standpoint. So we're very focused on ROI. We're very focused on um, doing activity that we can see genuine return for. And um, you know, the days of just putting a, a, a big grand ad out there and sort of winning all the plaudits and patting ourselves on the back are long gone. It's it's very much now about, um, you know, how we can grow our industry, how we can see our operators really benefit. And so from that perspective, I think the things that we've done that have been, um, you know, up there with with all the large companies in, in Australia for, for um, you know, the success that we've had is, We've got a really good digital program, and we've got a we've got a fantastic sort of media creative program as well. So, um, 
you know, modern marketing and modern comms demands that you understand and be digital native, um, but that you don't lose your creativity. And and I think those are probably the two central things. And probably the last piece that really sort of got us over the line um, with some of those awards that have come our ways that we've been prepared to take risks. And again, that was pretty unexpected for an organisation like us, but we feel like that's in our DNA. How is it that you've been able to build the confidence with your minister um, and with your government to allow you to take risks? Yeah, it's a good question. I, and and um, I think for marketers, it's one of those things you, you have to communicate regularly and you, you, you buy credits in essence. And, and, you know, we had this discussion with the board yesterday where I was asking them, to sign off on a, a project we're going to do next year, which is which is pretty out there, and you know they they you know they can now say um, we've got confidence in what you do because we've been able to demonstrate that ROI. So I think probably that the, the key thing was that you know if you go in really clear with a good strategic um, objective, uh, then then people can say yeah okay I can invest in the um, I can invest in that strategy. So what we tend to do. David, is we don't necessarily actually say um, we're going to go and get MasterChef, for example. We actually go in and say to the minister, the board, et cetera, we want to go in a creative way to drive the awareness of Adelaide as a food and wine destination. Do you think that that's a path that you want to endorse? They say yes. We then come back and say the mechanism mm-hmm. that we want to do that is um, MasterChef and working with Gary Megan, for example. So you know, we're actually asking them to sign off on the objective first and foremost, and then the actual construct, we're free to go off and and do that. And then from there, you just have to be really clear about, you know, sharing what that ROI looks like and and making sure you deliver. So so the expectations on the team are are high, but I'm I'm fortunate I've got a a high-performing team. Hmm. Um, Just for the audience, because we do have people listening all around the world, just if you could perhaps just give us a bit of background about South Australia and the positioning of South Australia as it sits inside the the wider tourism story in in Australia. Yeah, sure. So um, South Australia, we, you know, we sit right in the centre of the country down in the south. Um, Adelaide is the capital and like many um, states around um, around the world, the the city of Adelaide uh, is, holds about eighty percent of the population of the entire state. So it is very much a story about Adelaide, and so globally, um, we, that's what we that's how we market. We market Adelaide. So what Adelaide is really known for, um, first and foremost, is definitely around our wine and our food. Um, so we produce eighty percent of Australia's premium wine that comes from from Adelaide. We have something like 18 wine regions in the state. So naturally food follows pretty closely when you're talking about wine. Um, so we, we, we have, you know, Australia's number one ranked restaurant by Gourmet Traveller. Um, you know, we've got a whole range of chefs here who, who use all those beautiful, fresh local ingredients and, and serve up amazing food. Over and above that, um, because of our size, Adelaide's uh, about 1.3 million and the state has about 1.7. So it means that the pace of life here um, is just a little bit uh, more relaxed than your huge cities around the world, which means that, yes, you've got a really vibrant and contemporary city, but you can get out into these beautiful coastal regions, uh, wine regions, et cetera, in, you know, under an hour and 
we're really well known also for our wildlife here. You know, we, we have a place called Kangaroo Island, um, which is beautifully well named. Um, and that that is something that, that people come from all over the world to go and see because they want to see wildlife in the wild. So, you know, we've got we've got what we think a lot to offer and it's a it's a really diverse big state. Um, but it is something that we obviously need to uh, keep pushing because we are one of the smaller states. Mm. But it's massively competitive, isn't it? You know, tourism in Australia, that, yeah. you know, everybody wants the visitors. Every state and territory, every city is looking for the visitors. And really, you know, food, uh, landscape, uh, relaxed lifestyle, you know, there's that. that's a fairly common story. How is it that you've been able to differentiate the South Australian story in a way that has resonated? And what are some of the tactics that have really worked for you that have got the visitors to actually uh, take action, which is obviously what you're looking for them to do? Yeah. Yeah, you're 100% right. I mean, it's a competitive place. Australia is a beautiful country. There's there's a lot of um, uh, impressive opportunities for tourists around the entire country. So I think the way that we've positioned it, David, is we very much um, – feel like there's a movement around the world where people have gone, look, I probably don't want to be sitting in traffic for half my holiday and, <laughs> you know, dealing with the, the ugliness of the, the big city. And they want to get out of that pretty quickly. Um, and they want to go, you know, I want to experience what it, what it is to be a true Australian and to live like a local. And, and I had, you know, I'll give you an example of that. I, I just recently came back from India. Um, of course, you know, we went to Delhi as a, a point to get in and out. Um, but Delhi wasn't really our, our cup of tea. We were, we were pretty quick to get out of there and get into some other areas in Rajasthan and explore what we felt like was a real India. And I feel like that's a little bit about Australia, how it, how it feels for Australia. It's like people come in, yes, they get their big city fix with uh, Sydney and Melbourne, but they pretty quickly want to get out and go, I want to feel what it's like to live like a local. I want to you know, experience an Australian way of life. And that's where we, we come in really well. It's a very easy place to get around. And when you think about holidays, you don't want to be stressed, you know, an hour's journey just to get to the airport, an hour, you know, pushing through crowds to get somewhere, you know, lining up for hours to go and see some sort of man-made um, spectacle. And so from that perspective, I think that's what's really resonated for us is we've really pushed this authenticity piece, but we do it in a unique way we understand that australia is a beautiful place with a lot of amazing stuff so we don't compare ourselves to anybody else we just say in adelaide you've got a boutique city that's vibrant and contemporary but it's very accessible hmm. um and that that's worked really well for us but you know the way that you get that message out it has to be uh in ways that challenge so our rewards wonder campaign for example we did last um september was was a good example of that all right, take us through that because I was about to ask, you know, you've articulated the value proposition. How then are you going about telling this story? Yeah, so so with Rewards Wonder, I mean, where we were coming from with that was we felt like, you know, what tourism does really well is that, you know, they typically wait for a beautiful day, um, you know, optimum day, optimum people, no one on the beach type thing and go and shoot their ad and it becomes what we call postcards from paradise and everybody does that. Um, so our challenge was let's roll with some cameras for five days, so 120 hours, and you can't hide. You know, you can't hide during that five days. You've you got a camera rolling the whole way and you're just going to pick up everything that happens and and stream it. So it was a, a ballsy idea to prove that sort of authenticity of what you can do and the breadth and depth of what you can do in Adelaide and South Australia. 
Um, and it was a pretty amazing, amazing project, and and we were really happy with the outcome. So, in terms of streaming it, what did you have? Five what locked off cameras in different parts of Adelaide that just you switch between them on what was it a Facebook Live or what was yeah, the platform? Almost, almost. So what we actually had was um, we actually had three camera teams. So so we'd we'd have these three camera teams. They would they would. Um, take over one from each other. So as you can imagine, like team A would go off and film eight hours in a row and then team B would sort of literally hand the camera, like get the camera handed to them from team A and continue on and so on and so on and so on because they were shooting 24 hours a day straight through. Um, and then we ran it on we ran it on YouTube um, and we ran it on uh, Facebook and we ran it on southaustralia.com and it was housed on a, uh, an Amazon platform. Um, because as you can imagine, I think it was something like 74 terabytes of data. Um, so it wasn't it wasn't about asking people to watch 120 hours. I mean, no, we we didn't expect anybody to do that. It was more the point that we could do that, and we weren't afraid of what we were going to see. And then we used things like Facebook Live to to hold people's interest to say, well. We're just about to fly into, for example, swimming with the sea lions up on Air Peninsula. So if you want to watch this, we think this is a real highlight piece, you know, check this out. Or then we'd say we're up in the Flinders Ranges and we're flying over Wilpena Pound. You could lob in and watch that on Facebook Live for an hour. So there was a whole bunch of, a whole bunch, of, I guess, of highlights. And if you wanted to, you could log into the stream at any point and just watch where we were, where we were at that stage and, and take it all in. Yeah, wow. How long did, how long did that last for? Uh, so the stream the stream ran for five days. Yeah, right. Um, five days straight, so around the clock. So um, you know, yeah, there were there was definitely some times where, um, you know, the guys were just sitting around campfire and so on. So it wasn't, you know, enthralling footage for 120 hours. Don't get yeah. me wrong, but um, yeah, ironically, we had some people who who would actually contact us and say, "I'm actually just watching these guys." filming you know uh the night sky and whatever and it's just fascinating it was slow tv if you like um <laughs> but then we'd speed it up we'd speed it up in the morning and you know we had guys going surfing and we we followed chefs around restaurants and visited places like the darrenberg cube and and so on so there was a lot of highlights all the way through but it just really emphasized hey look you like if you're a tourist in south australia you can see a hell of a lot yeah um and it's a pretty amazing diverse place mm. Wow, that sounds like a great, great project. Lots of planning, I imagine, organisation, huge amount of investment or not so much a, a, an investment because you were going, you know, not relying on the traditional, you know, uh, yeah. mainstream distribution platforms. Yeah, and, and probably because as well, like we would literally film it, um, we'd get the rushes, we'd send them back and, um, and then, you know, pretty much the guys just um, stitched it all together and put it up. So in that sense, you know, we didn't have the really heavy yeah. expenditure on yeah. editing. Yeah. But logistically, logistically, as you can imagine, we had, you know, charter planes and helicopters and buses and cars and, you know, eco caddies and all that kind of stuff roaring around um, Adelaide. And, and as you can imagine, everything was unfolding. So, so you didn't have any time to, you know, really try and prepare stuff. So it was very raw. It was very much like this is exactly what it feels like to be a tourist um, cruising around. So, you know, weather variables, you, you had all sorts of stuff. South Australia has a very uh, proud history in the content space. You know, the South Australian Film yeah. Commission, you know, renowned really is probably the 
you know, the heartbeat, you know, for many years uh, in in content production. How important is is that heritage, and how important is content in in the way that you go about telling your story? It's one of those things where, um, you know, it's ever it's it's only going to increase. Like people really love to consume content, um, and and I think from that perspective, you know, we we look at. These days, you know, we look at UGC, you know, that's really important, like user-generated um, content because, you know, people are out there with drones, with with really amazing um, capabilities, but also in, in Adelaide and South Australia, we've got these great creative artistic minds and so we, we love tapping into that. Um, it, yeah, the really hard part is then how do you get it into sort of a bite-sized piece that people can then consume and show enough, you know? Yeah. So in terms of that, you know, where is your thinking going in terms of, of your content and in terms of your distribution? How is it evolving? And, you know, what did you learn out of that rewards wonder campaign that's shaping some yeah. of your thinking for, for the next, as you described it earlier, the next out there idea that you're looking to put forward? Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, so one of the things for us was um, I realised pretty early, early on when I got came into this role that, um, SouthAustralia.com was actually our major resource, really. It was our major asset because we don't own an airline, we don't own hotel rooms, etc. So we directed everything into that uh, and then peeled out from there to work with either conversion partners or you could actually convert through the site. And I think from there as well, we, we really looked at our, our, social, um, our socials and a lot of our socials were, I would probably say, photography you know focus on really good photography and so we've just changed that up a little bit because of the fact that tourism is what we're here to do so so you know we've got to focus on you know what's happening this weekend what accommodation you can stay in and we just keep telling people like this is what you can do and these these are the itineraries this is where you can stay because i think what we're finding with content is you know people have limited time they have a lot of stuff that they could be looking at so we need to sort of get it uh, into their face pretty quickly and easily and snackable, and then um, we drive out the itinerary. So from that perspective, we we use our socials now um, similarly to SouthAustralia.com, and I think we were a little bit focused on uh, community. If you can imagine, you know, some of our social team would sort of look at like what should we put out there that will drive engagement from our community. But it's less really about that because I think if you can imagine like we're trying to attract tourists to come here to Adelaide, um, we want to put content out there that people are interested in in terms of where they want to stay. But we don't expect that they then have this long-lasting love affair with Adelaide. They move on to their next destination. And, and I think we were a bit focused on community, which meant that we were perhaps talking to locals a lot. Um and so we've just adjusted that a little bit to make sure that what we're doing is we're talking to tourists. Yeah, okay. It's an interesting point. I was about to ask you that uh, building community around um, a tourism brand, I would have thought, is, is a little bit challenging because, as you say, people you know like the experience, enjoy yeah. the experience, but they're, as you say, they're moving on to the next thing. Correct, correct. And I think I think that's that's the key. I mean, you know, I think about India, for example, for two months – before I went to India, I was all over all their yeah. socials, looking at all the places I wanted to go. But now, you know, it's not on my radar to go back there for for a while. So, so it's 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 not something I'm looking at. Hmm. So, it, it's it's a thing where we look at we we really focus on. You know, we've got a, a, a window of when people are interested in looking at us, 
Um, and then in-trip is, is very, very important in terms of when they actually are here and, and a little bit of a review time afterwards, but then, and then you're out. So, so let's focus rather than trying to keep them on the community and keep liking our posts, et cetera. We just focus on this is what to do when you're here. Yeah. Now, in terms of the use of data to understand, you know, the potential visitors, just can you describe or explain to us just exactly how you go about building the personas, understanding the audience and, and, and using that data to make sure that your content's right and your distribution strategy's right? Yeah. So, look, data is critical for us. Again, it's our major asset. And so underneath SouthStrata.com, we, we have a full um, Adobe Marketing Cloud um, tech stack. And so we build up an audience um, through there. So everything we do with our partners, so, you know, Rewards Wonder, for example, people say, well, how many people saw the video or whatever? And you can point to 14 million people saw it at some point. But the really exciting piece is actually what we got out of that was a 5 million uh, strong database that we could then plug into SouthStrata.com that we then knew, okay, they're, they're interested in South Australia we can serve them um, personalised content um, and stuff that they're interested in. And and that's really powerful when when people are looking at something that they're interested in, they're much more inclined to engage. Um, and we're really good at going, if you're not interested in us, um, we back off as well. So that, that data side, um, I know some people think it's, you know, creepy. Some people think, you know, it follows you around, et cetera. But it's one of those things where if, if you're getting targeted with things that you are interested in or you would potentially be interested in, you're much more inclined to be like comfortable with that. I think it's when marketing just sort of does the spray and pray approach, just throw stuff out there and hope for the best. That's when people get annoyed. And it sounds to me also that you, you talk about using um, the linkages out to your, your your partners around conversions to understand the business impacts of the work that you're doing, how is it that you're then able to gather that information to be able to, you know, roll up the impact in terms of dollars and cents that you've been able to, you know, generate and yeah. jobs that you've been able to generate? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that's, you know, look, that's the number one uh, question for any marketer really, isn't it? It's, it's about that sort of ROI piece and how do I know that the money I'm spending is actually working? And so for us, we we just keep building out our metrics. We've got about 14 metrics that we use now um, and I'll give you an example of one of those we um, we've done some data sharing agreements and so we have a thing what that we call marketing touch rate and so what that is is we work with some of our operators who we've got data sharing arrangements with and we can actually see um, we can actually see the data of of somebody who interacts with southstray.com um, and our and our content and then interacts with their site and and you know hopefully that's with the booking page um, and in some cases we can actually see right through to that thank you booking page and know how much um, they've actually purchased mm. so from that perspective that's great for us in terms of we can say okay well over the last fortnight um, this is how many people have been on southstrait.com and then wound up on a operator tourism operators page and ended up booking so we work with a lot of operators on that on that and you know some of these guys have got minuscule if any marketing budgets um so they're really appreciative of the fact that us with our bigger budget are driving really tangible results for them they can they can see you know they only have to look at their back end they can see that southstrait.com is you know one of their 
top referrers of, of business and, and, and they can see the value that we're providing. Do you think you've got a good good handle on that? Like you said, you said that you've got data sharing arrangements with some, but how yep. many do how many more would you possibly need to be able to get that, you know, that real fidelity into that picture? Yeah. Oh, look, I think I think David, I think we've got enough now that that we feel really comfortable about our numbers. You know, statistically, um, it's it's really relevant in terms of the number that we've got. Um, what what we can do as well is we we can always report to any operator and say, well, this is how many leads have been generated from the site that have gone to your um, your website. We we do that for everybody. So there's eighteen thousand businesses. Um, and they all get leads, but it's as I say, it's those ones that we've got a data sharing agreement where we can measure all the way through to the actual revenue um, component. So we feel we've got a really good handle on that, and that that is something that makes us stand out from the crowd. I, I feel like it's something we've worked really hard on over the last three years, invested a lot of money and time in, and uh, it's put us into a in, into a really good position where we can, I guess, exploit that. Um, that advantage that we have of, of a really strong digital data um, system. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm sure quite a few people are listening and thinking, well, it's all great for Brent. He gets to, you know, market South yeah. Australia and the food and the wine and, you know, the sexy end of sort of government and public sector communication. Yeah. You know, they might be sitting there communicating regulations around wastewater or something like that. What advice, yeah. though, you know, and obviously accepting that there is a difference and there's a different profile and there's a different risk appetite and there's a you know, whole series of, you know, differences and nuances across government and public sector content. But what are some of the essential truths for you that sit at the heart of really good, effective government public sector communication? Yeah, I, look, I think I think it's um, I think everybody could benefit from a bit of that, I guess, personalization and using their data more effectively. Um, and and I know that there are some things that you would call sort of a grudge purchase or just a you know public service announcement, I guess, if you like. But you you know you often, from a government perspective, you want to make sure that that gets to the right people. So it gets, you know, to a to a homeowner or it gets to a child going to school, for example. Um, so. You know, I think that's the thing. The days of that sort of um, spray and pray kind of approach, I, I think, are gone, and that's where people get get frustrated. I think because, you know, just pushing a message out like they, they, you know, a lot of these messages, government they're trying to get out are really important ones, and so I think that's where that personalization of data going. You know, this is, for example, like you know myself. Um, it's pretty obvious if you looked at a lot of my different profiles that you'd realise, hey, I'm really into things like environment and recycling and so on. So if the government is trying to send messages about what they're doing around around that, then I'm going to be really engaged with that. Um, so, you know, from that perspective, like serving those those ads in, in the spaces where I'm reading about it at the right time, I'm going to really engage. And at the end of the day, that's what government wants to do. Government wants to engage with its citizens and get its message across. So, you know, it's you know we do, we do work a little bit collegiately with our um, government partners here in South Australia, and you know there is an understanding around that that you know just putting a newspaper ad out is is probably not enough anymore, um, and and maybe you know use of of things like data and digital and social um, are getting more and more currency because it means that the people that you're really trying to get your message through are getting it. 
And what advice would you then have for people who are looking to build that capability within their team? What are some of the steps that they yep. need to take? Yeah, well, you've got to be prepared to invest in it. Um, that's that's one of the key things, and, and it's not a short-term game. So you need to be able to sort of say, I'm going to put away some money to go and, and get something like a data management platform. Um, and you need people who understand that for you and understand um, how it works and can really interrogate it. So you need to put some people in who are digital native. And, look, I don't think everybody within government needs to have their you know, DSPs and really go down that, that full path. You can get agencies to do that for you. Um, but I think you just got to be prepared the fact that, you know, it can be a bit of a longer-term game, um, but you've got to be prepared to invest to do that. But the thing is, though, in, in government and public sector, there are huge numbers of data sets available that people can draw on to That's get right. the insights, haven't they? Aren't there? I mean, it's incredible, really. Like government, government probably has as as a as good a data sets as as anybody out there. You know, bar maybe the banks. Um, it definitely is all about. You know, we 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 focus. We have a view that you know it can be about sort of twenty percent strategy, eighty percent execution. And I think sometimes within government, it's around the other way. You know, you see people spend all their time working through strategy and getting all these data and insights, but then very very poor on the execution. Um, and I think that's the thing as well. I think you've got to be, you know, we have an expression good enough to go. Sometimes you've got to be brave enough to say, okay, it's not absolutely perfect, but we've got to get this in the market and make a difference. Um, so that's the other thing I would say, like, because within government, yeah, there's there's endless amounts of data. It, it's about sometimes just going, okay, I've got the message, I've got the objectives, let's go, let's get into market. And in terms of that investment, how big an investment or is there any guidance that you can give to people as to what might be the first couple of things that they would invest in? Yeah, I mean, look, it, it's it, it's interesting because it could it could be like for us, obviously, you know, it, it gets into the millions um, because of the Adobe Ad Cloud um, that, that we put in. That that tech is not necessarily cheap and it's pretty in depth. But once it's running, you know, it's incredible what you can do. And you cost, you know, year after year, your costs reduce um, from that initial, you know, investment. But, you know, I would say also um, there are agencies who can do it for you initially if you haven't got those those bigger budgets. Um, and there's agencies who can tap into that, that data and get the message out for you um, and use personalised data um, that you can then connect with your content. So I would say that's the first thing to, to get the stakeholders to agree to sign off and say, yeah, okay, we'll give you the extra money to go and build it in-house. But you probably need to get some results on the board first um, with perhaps an agency. Yeah. Okay. All right, Brent, well, thank you so much for your time today. That's a, a great story. And um, congratulations yeah. on, on all of your success. I know that you will be in Canberra uh, on in and around the later in April, early May, I think, um, speaking yep. at a public sector strategic communications and engagement conference. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I, I think, um, you know, it's one of those things I, lo I love sharing what we do and I love hearing from other people because it's a continuous improvement thing. So, yeah, it's called the Public Sector uh, Strategic Communication and Engagement Conference. Um, okay. so, uh, that's uh, end of April, early May. So I'm looking forward to that. I think it'll be great. Okay. All right. Well, thanks, mate. Thank you very much for your time. And to you, the audience, thank you once again for coming back to 
discussed today. I think great some insights there from the wonderful place uh, which is South Australia. I was there only a couple of months ago and I can vouch for everything that Brent says. It really is a unique, authentic, genuine uh, just a wonderful place to have a great holiday. And it is it is a little bit slower than the big cities, but that's most of the appeal. So anyway, thanks to you for coming back once again. Thanks very much to Brent Hill, who's the Executive Director of Marketing at the South Australian Tourism Commission, for our conversation today. And I will be back at the same time in two weeks' time. But for the moment, it's bye for now. You've been listening to the GovComs podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and subscribe to stay up to date with our latest episodes.